This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 70. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Chris Reed from Ardor SEO to the Baller Circle. Chris started out as a software engineer and worked for a variety of companies before he took a break from the corporate world to back back and find his passion. He ended up developing a game and was looking for ways to promote it, which led him to learn about SEO. He started creating tools that increased web rankings, which now is the basis of his company, Ardor SEO. Ardor SEO is the ultimate multinational back backlink building company that helps businesses achieve their utmost success with their res- in their respective niches by using innovative methods and uh, marketing online, including search engine optimization, search engine ranking, and link building. Now, Chris, I'm really happy to have you on the show because um, I know that uh, so many people struggle so much with SEO and spend so much time trying to figure out what exactly does Google want. Uh, so thanks for being the expert and, and letting people uh, in on the secret of, of you know how SEO actually works. But, but before we get started, um, I wanted to know uh, a little bit more about your background. Like, where did you grow up? What was life like uh, for you? Well, thanks very much for having me, Michael. Uh, I don't know that I can reveal all the secrets. I mean, it's <laughs> a, SEO is a pretty big industry and it can be really complicated, which is the thing that people find daunting, I guess, but uh, hopefully we can break it down into some simpler chunks that people can walk away with some tidbits to, you know, improve improve their rankings and, you know, generate new customers. Uh, so what, what was your question there, sorry? I just wanted to know, like, what was, wh- where did you grow up and what was life like for you growing up? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm from Brisbane, Australia. Well, originally from out in the countryside near there. So I uh, grew up on a farm and was a country boy uh, in rural Australia where there's no one but, you know, Australians. I never met anyone from the outside world. (laughs) So, yeah, I lived a pretty sheltered life until I went to university and studied software engineering. And and actually, whilst I just finished and got my first job working in the big city, well, Brisbane, which on the world stage is not the biggest city in the world, but, you know, it felt giant for me. And I, uh, I was working with this guy from London and man, he just, we'd have lunch together most days and he'd tell me all these wild stories about London. And I was like, man, that place sounds amazing. It's <laughs> like I lived under a rock. I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> so I uh, packed my bags and off I went. And that was the first step on the journey I've been. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So you, so you go to London and I know you're working as a software engineer and somehow, you know, in your story, you got to the point where, um, you you know, decided to backpack and somehow stumbled into this world of SEO. So how, how did that happen? Yeah, so I moved to London and uh, got a job in finance. I worked for a couple uh, different different uh, finance companies like Visa Europe. We worked on the PayWave program. And then I, I worked with uh, a company that does uh, security trading. So pretty much every trade that goes through the London Stock Exchange, it needs to go through a security clearance house. And so they they deal with all that. And it's a ridiculous amount of money. Like we had to have secret clearance because the uh, the British bank, what's it called? The, uh, I forget the name, but the, the Bank of England. <laughs> there you go. 
that's the only backer that has enough money to to handle that. So that was pretty cool. Nice. And uh, this was pre-2008, pre-financial crisis. So there was money just flowing around everywhere. It was awesome, you know, you know working with all the stockbrokers that are making ridiculous money and, you know, wearing outlandish clothes like bright yellow shirts and purple suspenders and, you know, you can imagine what goes on in the after parties on a Tuesday night. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was a lot of fun until, you know, the world came crashing down with the global financial crisis and it, all the money dried up and the, the city really changed. You know, like people became much more subdued, stopped wearing crazy outfits. You know, everyone started getting pay cuts and then people started losing their jobs and it became not the funnest place in the world anymore. And I lost my job, like uh, most people on my on the project that I was working on, because it got cancelled because the company ran out of money. Oh wow! <laughs> but you know, luckily I'd been through the good times, so I had a big fat bank account, and so money wasn't really my major concern. It was, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And so I went backpacking and travelled around the world and kind of thought about it a bit, and I. So financial institutions, they always build desktop applications because they're more secure than web applications because you don't have to have them connected to the internet. And so I was really familiar with that and I wanted to learn how you build web stuff. And so I started building this game you know, just out of a fun, bit of fun. You know, I'm a software engineer and I love programming. So I put a lot of energy into enjoying creating this game. And as it became like, kind of towards finishing. I was like, well, how the hell do you get people to your website to play it? And so I started learning about SEO and it really, you know, just grabbed my attention. I, and the one thing that really grabbed my attention was, uh, the page rank algorithm. So, you know, Larry Page, the co-founder of Google, he, when he was at university, you know, he's a genius. He thought, you know, search engines are terrible. They, the results they bring up are rubbish. And back then they used to analyze a website based on what text was on there and then rank them, you know, whoever's got the most text on whatever topic, you you win. Hmm. He thought that's stupid. You know, like if you write a book and everyone references your book, well, you must be the authority on that niche. He thought, well, it must be the same for websites. If you build a website and everyone links to your website, then you must be the authority. And that's the basis of the page rank algorithm. And he put it into practice and you know, Google beat the crap out of every other search engine. They all disappeared. <laughs> so, you know, it, it really worked very well. And I just found that fascinating and that you can build links and websites rank better. And so I really focused on link development and then ended up you know, being a software engineer. I built a system to manage links for for our own sites and then client sites and yeah, that's how we grew from there. Nice. So once you once you learn SEO for yourself, how did you go about finding your first client? And how, how did you learn that, like, I guess, that you wanted to not just do this for yourself, but that actually working with clients was something that interested you? Yeah, it was kind of a gradual process. Like, I wasn't, you know, I was just still dabbling and having a bit of fun. And I was actually in Florida one time and chatting to this guy that has a big charter boat in Miami. And he's like, well, you know, how do I get more customers? It's, my boat's not booked out all the time. I mean, no, I, I, can, I can probably help you with that. And, you know, worked on his website and 
you know, got him ranking really well and he got lots of more customers and he was like super happy. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and, and just kind of did that a few more times. Not really, you know, I, I wasn't a businessman. I was a computer geek. You know, so I wasn't really focused on, oh, how do I make money from this? I was just in, kind of enjoying the process. And then eventually I went, well, well, because because my bank account started running dry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe it's time that I try and make some money. <laughs> and, well, I figured, well, this has been working and this is fun. And so that's, that's when I started getting a bit serious. Hmm. Now, so I know that like, you know, the, I think the challenging thing for a lot of people for especially in, and for me personally as well is with search engine optimization is like things are always changing. It seems like, you know, something some new strategy is always coming out. and It's hard to stay on top of like what's actually working today, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of people back in the day did a lot of the, you know, crazy black hat stuff that, that doesn't really work anymore. Um, so what what is actually working now um, and what should people be avoiding uh, in their in their attempts to rank their websites? Yeah, so you mentioned Black Hat. So, yeah, Google does not like you trying to manipulate their search engine by using an, the term is Black Hat, which are like bad techniques. You meant to be, you know, the good white hat, which is what Google likes. And realistically, that is the best way to do things. You know, Black Hat methods can work in the short term, but they don't have longevity. And Google keeps getting smarter and smarter and better and better you know they got the best software engineers in the world working on their algorithms so they can detect this because they're trying to provide the best user experience you know they got a lot of competition now like you know facebook people look for businesses on facebook you know so google needs to make sure that they provide better results or otherwise you know they'll start losing out and so if you're providing really great content and stuff that people want to read than uh, people that want to interact with, then that's always the secret. You know, like one thing that we focus a lot on is conversion rate optimization. So you might have a website that, you know, a, a lot of, most businesses are small businesses that are local based. So it might be a plumber that's looking for their local area and you can go to the website and it has no call to action. There's no like, where's the number? Or there's no, you know, trust, you know, most people know nothing about plumbing. So when they go to a website, they want to go, they want to feel assured that this guy is a great plumber. You know, other people have used him, you know, that I can verify that it's social proof and then cool. Okay. I can trust him and give him a call. You know, and so if you really focus on building that trust, you know, using all the, the traffic that you're already getting, you know, because every website ranks a little bit, so, you know, if you can convert that more and get that phone ringing, that's that's the best place to start. Okay. So is there, um, I guess when it comes to, you know, things like uh, your, your page rank and building that up and just, I guess, using more, uh, I guess I would call it proactive strategies to, to, to develop that, what what can, can business owners do proactively to try to, um, I guess, outside of just creating great content, let's say you're great creating great content, but some for some reason, no one's finding it. What, what can you do? Yeah, certainly, uh, uh, I like to use the 80-20 rule. You know, 20% of your time should be making content and 80% of the time should be getting that content seen. Because mm -hmm. Google knows if you add content to your site and no one's interacting with it, then it's crap. And mm -hmm. they, they might rank it for a while. So... Even if you have a new site that uh, and you add content to it, Google will kind of test it. They'll rank it and see if people like it. And 
if they do, then it, you'll maintain your rankings. If they don't, it'll drop back to nothing. Hmm. And the more content you're putting out that no one's looking at, the more Google knows this site's rubbish. Why, why will I want to rank it for anything? Hmm. So it's really important that you well, have good content that people want to read, but also that you're getting people talking about it. You know, social, social proof again works. You know, it's nice. Google does like to see things post on Facebook and Twitter, but that's not that much of an authority because anyone can have a Twitter account. So it's uh, where they really want niche specific people that know about stuff. And, you know, like no one works in isolation. You know, like, sure, I, I work in SEO and, you know, you've got a podcast. So we're working together on, you know, hopefully providing great content and value. And, you know, Google sees that too and goes, that's fantastic. But no business works in uh, isolation. You know, if you're a plumber, well, I'm sure you work with, you know, the hardware shop, shop down the road and you probably you know, love whatever tools you use. And so you can interact, you can partner with those people to show what you're doing, that you, you know, that you work with this hardware. Like a hardware store would love to have, you know, uh, testimonials from tradesmen going, yeah, I always go to Johnny's Hardware because, you know, they, they know about all of the supplies I need. You know, so it gives them super social proof. Yeah, that there's real plumbers that are coming to their shop and then you get a link back and you know it's win-win for everyone hmm. so when, when it comes to like creating content and putting content out there i know a lot of people will talk about like you know the the length of a certain article how many words are in an article uh does that does that matter is it significant like how much how long your article is and how many words are in it yeah certainly that is significant uh google can't read images it I mean it can a little bit but not greatly it it tries to determine what the image is based on the context that it's in. So it reads the text around it. And the more text that it can see on a page, the more it knows about it, you know. So generally a longer article, 750 words, will rank better than a 300 word. But uh, one thing you can do, so say you're after a, a particular keyword, is Google that keyword and have a look at the competition. How, how, many, how many words are on their page? You know, one thing that we do is called a content analysis. So we'll look through customers' websites and look through analytics, see where people are going to their website and where they're dropping out. Because if you if you rank for a particular keyword and someone clicks on your website and then goes back to Google, uh, Google sees that as that was a bad search result because the person didn't find what they were looking for. Hmm. And so they'll you know downgrade you. So you want to make make sure those pages are great. So if you look through analytics, you can see where people are dropping off and go, well, that content's probably not performing. And, you know, you can look at the competition and see what they have and see if you're not answering all the questions well enough, you know, <clears throat> and try and improve that, improve that content. It may, maybe the length, but maybe even the quality of it. So do you do you recommend things like guest posting for people and, uh, you know, trying to, I guess, appear as much as they can on uh other people's sites so they can get they can get those backlinks yeah for sure i mean if you can partner with people like everyone's looking for content you know your local newspaper wants to hear about stuff if if i mean that's the beauty of small business you know you always hear about the walmarts and apples of the world you know because there's such a big name but it's the small business that uh, really supports the community and sponsors the local soccer team and you know gets involved and you know like so uh where where i am my friend owns a rock climbing gym and just this week they had had a big uh, trash cleanup 
around the city. And so, yeah, that's really great that they got involved in the community, but it also brings a lot of links, you know. You know, you shouldn't do these things just to benefit your business and links and stuff, but, you know, well, you're doing it, so you might as well get the get the business from it as well, you know. Right. Are there are there penalties for certain types of links, certain t- types of links you should avoid? I know there was, you know, people back in the day doing like the link stuffing stuff in their articles and just linking to everything to try to get uh, to try to get as many links as possible. What, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. So back in 2012, uh, Google brought out the Penguin update. So they they often update their algorithm and they give them beautiful names like Penguin. And this was to detect unnatural links. And man, it really changed SEO. And one thing that Google didn't see coming was negative SEO. So, you know, because you could get penalized for unnatural links, well, that meant that, you know, someone could build unnatural links to your website and get you de-indexed. And that popped up and was a real, you know, scare. But Google did work really fast and tried to fix that. It's still possible, but it doesn't happen so much. It's pretty hard to do Google's pretty good at trying to determine if you're building unnatural links or if someone's trying to attack you. Okay. But basically, unnatural links, you should just consider them as low quality links. You don't want, you know, comment spam, you know, people that writing on WordPress blogs and commenting click here or buy ski boots or whatever the hell, you know, keyword <laughs> stuffing in the URL. Like it's very natural to have a URL as just your brand name or you or your naked URL, which is the URL with no keyword. That's mm-hmm. that's normal. And so if you're providing good content and like a guest post where it provides great information, you know, pretty pretty much anyone that's in business is an expert in their field and they're passionate about what they do. So you know, show that passion. Get involved with the people that are in your industry. You know, uh, generally not the exact same like you know a, a plumber's rarely going to uh, partner with a plumber but all of the other people that you work with you know electricians or carpenters or, or whatever the heck you you can certainly help each other with providing each other great information so when it comes to uh creating content and putting content out there is there a is there a sweet spot for content frequency Oh, you mean for your own website? Yeah, or? yeah. So if you're putting, if you have, a, if you have a website and you're, you know, I know, I know, you know, there's been a lot of talk at certain times about like, you know, should you be putting out an article once a week? Should you be? Does it really matter how frequently you put out things as long as you're putting out something good? Like, does that does that frequency of of fresh content matter? Yeah, well, it really depends on the business. I mean, if you've got a uh, an info product, like a, uh, you know, if if you so my father has a lead business. He sells sales leads, and he provides a lot of training about how to use these leads and you know how to how to actually sell to them and get the most benefit. And so he does post a lot of content because there's always new new information and new ways to do things. And so that's viable. Plus, he has an email list that you know he sends that content to and then gets interaction on social media and stuff like that. So yeah, that's great. That people are looking at it but you know if you are a bricks and mortar business it probably doesn't make that much sense you know like once you've got a nice website with all of your you know products and services you know no one like 
it seems odd when you, you often see you're at a cafe and it's like, like us on Facebook. You're like, really? Why? You know, <laughs> I want to come here and drink coffee, not get things in my news feed, you know? Right. So, you know, if they were making a post once a week on their blog, you know, well, we've got great carrot cake, you know, like that's not going to be very interesting for anyone. <laughs> so, you know, each business it's going to depend. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, so for, so with a uh, coffee shop or something like that, what, what, what should they be doing? If the, I mean, I think you, you make a good point there. Like you're not going to be writing content articles about your carrot cake unless, unless you have some amazing recipe that people really want or something like that. So what should they be doing that, uh, that would help them from a content standpoint? Yeah. So uh, uh, once you've got your website nice and pretty and that we, you know, here's our menu and things like that, uh, uh, generally a small website, a couple of pages is really all you need for a coffee shop. You know, people want to just see that oh, they got lunch or they just got cake. So, you know, what's it, what's it look like on the inside? But often with a, a case like that, if you uh, search coffee shop, my hometown or where, whatever town you're in, which I travel quite a lot. And so, yeah, I get to a new place and I go vegetarian restaurant or cafe or whatever. And it's your Google Maps that is going to do the selling there, not your website. You know, like I'll, I'll look at what comes up first in Google Maps, look at that, see see that it's got nice pictures. Yeah, cool. I can sit outside. That looks good. See that it's got some decent reviews. Cool. That that's And that's where I go. So, you know, you, you might want to check that you've got a good reputation management. So someone that's new to the area and searches coffee shop, and even if you rank well in Google Maps, then they might search the coffee shop name and see what else you get. So is your TripAdvisor look good or, you know, it's, it's not often that your website's going to rank like a coffee shop LA or New York or something that's going to be really difficult. I bet TripAdvisor is probably the number one ranking. So, or, or Yelp. And so it's pretty hard to beat those guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. That makes sense. So when you when you get a new client, what do you what do you first look for to figure out like how do I help these people? What are you what are you looking at? So the first thing you, we do is to try and understand their business and what they're trying to achieve. Like for instance, uh, we had well we we have a customer that uh, does printer repairs, and when we did the keyword analysis for him, we left out plotter plotters because the the keywords the, the search volume is really little. And we're like oh that can't be very good. Hmm. And then speaking to him, he's like, well, that's really important because plotters, you know, they cost like $20,000, you know, and the servicing of them's really valuable. And that's a, yeah, the search volume's really low because not many people have a $20,000 printer. Hmm. But, you know, so without understanding the customer's, you know, goals and what they want to achieve, then it's really hard to help them get there. So that's certainly the first thing is working out What's important? What do you want to achieve? And then building a roadmap of how to get there. Okay. Um, so when, when it comes to keyword like research, uh, are, there, are there certain metrics that you use to figure out like what keywords are worth going after? Uh, what, what are your thresholds? Yeah, I mean, search volume is important, you know, because the more the better. But then also search volume, well, the big keywords are more valuable so they can be more competitive. You know, so it's really important to have a look yourself. What's the competition there? If you're up against Walmart or 
Kmart or whatever. It's could or Amazon, you know, it can be really super difficult to get there. So one thing that you can do is go after the low hanging hanging fruit. You know, like if you're number 90, it's a lot harder to come to number 10. Where if you're number 11 or 12, it's pretty easy to move two spots up and you're on the first page. Hmm. So the the way the uh, the click uh, click through rate goes, that means people clicking on the search results in Google. I think it's a 0.08%, so less than 1% go to the second page. And the the vast majority go to number one. It's like 34%, then 28, number two, then about 16, number three. And then it drops down to number 10 and nine. So people scroll down and number 10 is the next best. So, and it's sitting about five or 6% of the click through. So if you move from, you know, number 12, where that whole page is sharing less than 1% of the click through rate up to, you know, number 10, now you're getting 6% of the the clicks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so finding just the, the less competitive keywords to try to rank for and, and forget about competing with the big brands that you're never going to really beat out. Is well, it- don't start with the big ones. You know? mm-hmm. like, gener- like one thing that we really try and do is generate a positive ROI. You know, we're luckily in a business where we bring businesses more money. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if we're charging $1,000 or $10,000. It's as long as we can show that you spent a thousand dollars with us, you made five thousand dollars. Great, everyone's happy. You know? right. And as soon as we, the quicker we can get someone to a positive ROI, then you know, the rest's all gravy. So they're happy as Larry forever, and you know, it's a win-win situation. Huh. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so out there right now, how do you how do you stay on top of the best, like the, 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 I guess what's working and what's not working in SEO since things seem to be, you know, they, they, they change periodically. Yeah. Well, I certainly read a lot and test a lot. I mean, we've got a, we've got a great team of super geeks that love testing stuff and it's really measuring and seeing, you know, what does work best. You know, there are always competing arguments for this and that, but the fundamentals are always the same, provide great content that people want to read and and build your authority. You know, those those two things, if your site's in good shape, that it's got good site structure, uh, that it loads fast, that it's you know simple to navigate and the content's decent, you know, you add links to that and it's gonna go up in rankings. It's that's that's the fundamentals and I can't see that changing anytime soon. Okay. Sounds good. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, providing your advice about SEO is such an important topic that everyone needs to, uh, to really get good at. Uh, before we close out, I wanted to know, how can the Baller Circle learn more about you and your business? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, if they want to uh, get in contact with me, you can just Google the coolest guy in SEO and you will see uh, my pretty face. But uh, also you can just visit our website, which is ardor, A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. I really appreciate the time uh, and uh, have a great week. That was Chris Reed from Ardor SEO. Thanks for being awesome and joining me on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week. I'll be speaking with copywriter Chris Loeb, and we'll be talking about creating surveys to get inside the minds of your ideal client. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha, and happy marketing. 
Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.